Hey everybody, Chris here. You may know us these days as the Personal Injury Mastermind, but you've discovered our roots when we first started as the Rankings Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Over the years and hundreds of episodes, we've expanded our reach while staying true to our mission. We help you and your firm dominate the competition with insights from some of the best in the legal industry. You may notice that these older episodes sound a bit different. That's because we also embrace change and growth. I hope you enjoy this episode from the vaults and listen to a few of our newer episodes while you're at it. Thanks for being here. Let's begin. Our first work experiences teach us way more than just how to earn a buck. They can give us our ethos for life. Today's guest got to start the hard way, working with his father at his cement company, as he described it, digging dirt. Experiencing the value of a hard day's work lit a fire under him, and he slugged it out to become the first kid in his family to graduate from college. His major was finance, but a suggestion from a new friend led him in a whole new direction. I always thought I would be like a financial planner or kind of run my own financial planning business. But a little bit after school, I made a really great friend who's an attorney. And like two weeks into our friendship, he's like, what are you doing? Like, you should be a lawyer. And I'm like, I should be a lawyer. Today, we hear about how Robert May of the May Firm not only carved out a slice of the personal injury pie for himself, but he brought along his family too. Plus, we talk about why Slack can be a surprisingly effective tool for boosting morale and why company core values are more than just words on the wall. That's coming up on the Rankings Podcast, the show where founders, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys share their inspiring stories about what they did to get to the top and what keeps them there. I'm Chris Dreyer. Stay with us. Robert says he took a lot of his work ethic from his first experience at his father's cement business. But it wasn't only grit and hard work that he learned from his father. He also learned how to treat clients like family. When we were kids, I just sort of saw how he interacted with people. And then this is sort of the funny one, but like he always kept a cooler of drinks in his truck and so it would be awesome when he got home we'd be like yes we get a coke finally but what he was doing is he would just go from job site to job site but he'd always like have something for everybody not just whoever the project manager is but like everybody involved and so that's just like a little example of the way he he would just sort of care a little bit more and like do a little bit extra and I kind of always picked up on that and I try to do the same thing, not just with clients, but even just in how I, my normal life. I mean, my kids always joke that if they go to the gas station with me, it's going to take 10 minutes because I've talked to the gas station guy. That's like the uh, the Dale Carnegie, everyone knows their the first name, the how to win friends and uh, influence people. I think there's something powerful with that because I know when I I meet an individual and they call me by my first name, then it, it like, I don't know, it like immediately gets my attention. So let's talk about implementing some of those uh, at the firm. So, you know, what are some of those things that you do to try to, you know, treat clients like family and what do you do differently that from other law firms, maybe to make them feel comfortable in the environment they're in where maybe they just, you know, had a serious accident or something really terrible occur. The energy the client's going to get is probably the same energy that's, in your office when the clients aren't there from our perspective it's like i am the way i am all the time at work or at home meaning i want people to be their best 
to be supported and be able to like accomplish everything they're capable of accomplishing. And I want to push them just like I want to push myself and all the different ways I try to do things a little bit better each day, but I don't want it to be like a fear-based motivation. I mean, I probably am a little fear-based because I want the client to have a great result. I want the employee to feel supported and all these different relationships that I have, but the people around me, I don't want them to live and like work under fear. I've, I've been in that experience personally. And it just like takes a lot out of you when you're just, you're worried about just disappointing the person that's above you and whatever capacity that is. So would you say it's like a more open environment and do you, do you really look for, I know, you, you know, you have a um, family that works with you and, and yeah. we'll dive in. I got some questions about Garrett in a moment, but uh, is it like, do you really look for those, those values? Do you, do you believe in core values? Some people do, some people don't. I sometimes thought they were a little cliche, like when people would come up with core values and um, I've kind of changed my tune on that. I think it's, because sometimes you, like Chris, might have a set of core values, but if you're not communicating them and like exposing the people around you to like what you really truly believe and like what's really important to you, they might know like Chris is awesome at his job. He's informed. He treats people around him really well, but they might not know that these are like really significant. Like it's critically important to how you live your life. And so I've kind of done a little bit of a 180 on that. And um even we're actually, we've taken our core values and written them down and talked about them at the office. And they're, they're a component of, you know, some of the ways we recognize great work at our offices with, uh, on Slack with like hashtags and our core values are hashtags. When we see somebody learn about something they didn't know about, bring it back to the office and say, Hey, I just learned this. I just saw this. We should start doing this. This is a change we can make or somebody just goes way above and beyond for a client. Like that's one of our core values. And it's sort of like, I thought it would be gimmicky and people would maybe think like, Oh, he's just trying to do something business people do or something like that. But it's, it's something that's really been a cohesive factor for our office. Now it's like they're going up in artwork and they're going to go in the office and they'll be on the walls in each one of our buildings. You know, it's like a reminder. And like, I like having one of them, one of them is just a talk with a smile because for me, I might be feeling good on the inside, but if I'm, I'm just trying to get through our conversation or I'm multitasking or whatever, like the energy you get might be like, Oh, he's not into this. And that, that's not what I'm actually feeling. And so that would be an example of a core value for us. I think that's an amazing core value. That's something I haven't heard, but it's so true. You know, when you write an email or you're doing even a message on Slack, people may interpret things differently because they can't see you versus jumping on Zoom and they can read your body language, kind of maybe interpret it a little bit differently. You know, I wasn't going to go to the technology route, but you kind of forced my hand here because you're talking about Slack. So, you know, what kind of, what kind of technology and tools do you find really effective at your firm? You know, what are you using for a CRM or case intake? Uh, and you mentioned Slack. So, you know, what are some of those tools that really have a big impact? Um, so we, for our case management, we use Filevine, which has a texting feature. I mean, it has a, a massive amount of capabilities to it. And we have our, our office manager is sort of, she's like the CEO of Slack at our office, meaning she's the one who like is always learning the newest updates and then rolling them out. 
we use Podium for texting, like individual clients, new clients, people that are on board. So we can, like our main office numbers, we can text from and receive information from. Obviously, we use like electronic, we use GetAccept for electronic signatures, which we used to use Doc, DocuSign. We changed to GetAccept. It was just visually, I thought, a little more, a little more interactive. You can like attach videos. You can personalize it a little more. And I thought it just had a little bit more of a personal touch and like the way that way things are going, not just with COVID, but just sort of generally with technology. It's like you're trying to find ways to still connect with people. At a, I mean, this podcast is like a perfect example. Like, yeah. You know, you're trying to find a way to really connect with people, even though I'm not, I'm not in your office with you. We're not, you didn't say, what kind of coffee do you want? And you're really trying to find a way to connect with people even at a distance. Yeah, I really like that because, you know, you had your technology already kind of set up for this. And Slack's really, of course, perfect for the communication component and, you know, introducing some personality with the giffies or the emojis or whatever you want to do. And all that stuff, I think sometimes maybe from my perspective or like things potentially, I think I undervalued maybe years ago and like, I really enjoy it. So we have Slack channels that are literally like podcasts you're into, movies you watched. What vitamin D do you guys, everyone's taking vitamin D, vitamin C, we're all trying to stay healthy and so it's fun to get to share all these like I mean I'm like addicted to consuming information and just stuff people are learning and doing so I like I like having a place to go hey check this out so it's a way for us because our office is a little bit segmented because we have offices in different cities you know it's not 30 people in one building it's people are segmented in different offices and so it's been a good way for us to like not just bring on new people, but stay connected with everybody. Even when we're apart, like we were, we've been doing zoom meetings for a few years now at our office. And so we kind of were already a little bit familiar with the technology and we're ready to go. Yeah. And that's uh, so just one other follow-up. I, I, first of all, I really love the, the specific channels on the different type of interest because we made a channel just called lounge and it used to be called water cooler, but I changed it to the lounge because I, Every time I think of water cooler, you automatically think of gossiping. I was just going to say gossip. Too much gossip. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted it to be more like friendly, you know, conversation, not like gossiping. So that's why we called it that. But I like the idea of the, you know, the different channels for different interests and things like that. That's awesome. There's a couple things that you said about personalization. I like to switch from DocuSign because you said it had a little bit more personalization. You got your Slack, you mentioned Zoom and this ethos, these values that you try to have at the office. But, you know, I've got a question here. So what is kind of the compromise between efficiency and like those personalizations and bespoke and doing things a little different? You know, every firm has maybe their standard operating procedures of how you do X. Where's the line? um, Where do you introduce those personalizations? So where we introduce them is, we kind of roll, like it depends on, I guess, on what it is. So if it's something that's client-based, we usually roll them out ourselves first. Like, cause my intended effect might be some, might be felt differently as a recipient. So a lot of times it's really just rolling them out with Caroline or case manager or Garrett or Cameron. I might say you do whatever, whatever the process might be. It could be, you know, like a new client document. Is this too much? If there's a video saying like, Hey, we're happy you're here at the firm. I'm Rob. You're going to be meeting this person and this person, their team. They're going to be at least walking you through the beginning steps of your case. 
is that like weird and overt? Yeah, I'm generally a little more private by nature. So it's like sometimes I'm like, is that weird or is it like, no, it's nice. It's nice to, okay, thanks for, this is just a little extra something that I think it works and it's sincere. And so sometimes I'm, I should probably get over my insecurities and be like, yeah, this is a good thing. people at the firm to bounce ideas off for before bringing them to your clients is a great idea. But what happens when those colleagues are your brothers? Working with siblings can either be a minefield or a total home run. So I wanted to know how Robert maintains that family bond while also being a boss. It's sort of always evolving. In the last couple of years, you know, some of our conversations are like, man, it's not just the three of us anymore. Like, Things have to be done a little bit different. Like we have to delegate, you know, by virtue of other three of us starting a practice with a few cases, you know, you have a really specific way of handling it and learning how to scale that was difficult. But generally how it works is Garrett really manages the litigation department. Cameron really helps manage the pre-litigation department, pre-litigation being like cases that haven't been filed yet. And then I sort of manage a little, manage the rest, all of it. And then we're all kind of bringing in, trying to bring in new ideas. And I probably spend more more time trying to find out what other people I really respect are doing and like good ideas they have and see if those are things we can bring into our office. You know, sometimes the two of them are probably so busy just day to day with court hearings, depositions, trials, et cetera, that, you know, that's sort of more my role at our office. Well, that's awesome that you have, you know, individuals that you can trust with their department, their, their skills, you know, and you mentioned a couple things on values and, and taking ideas from other businesses and firms, you know, do you guys, do you have um, coaching that you receive? Do you use like a business framework? Tell me a little bit about, you know, how, how your business has continually improved to get to kind of where the point you're at now with, you know, multiple offices and, and the growth trajectory you've been on. Yes, I, I personally, not just me, me and multiple members in the staff, we do we do business coaching. Uh, it's one of those things you think like, oh, is this worth it? Is this, and it could, I guess, be a waste of time and resources. But for us, it's actually been really valuable. Recently, in the, like in the last year, I feel like our hiring process is a hundred percent better, no doubt. In that, how we put out the ad for the position, how we screen for who we interview, how we do all these things. And it's ended up saving us a lot of time. And let's say in the last six months, we've hired another four people, like awesome people, just incredible. And I don't know if a year and a half or two years, well, let's say two years ago, like, I don't know if we would have found those people or maybe hired somebody else feeling a little bit like, Oh, this like a good enough attitude versus a like excellence attitude. And so some of that's been the benefit of the coaching that we have done. Yeah, it's wonderful. So let's break that down a little bit on the hiring because I think that's really interesting. And I think it's one of the most critical components because at the end of the day, when you start scaling, you can use technology, you can have you know amazing efficiencies and keep it simple. But at the end of the day, you got to have more bodies. You just need more bodies, more utilization. So you know what were just a couple of those things that really improved your, your hiring process? One of the things we started doing is just if you wanted to respond to our ad, we had a dedicated phone line just for that position. And you'd have to follow the, like there might be three instructions in there that you have to follow specifically 
just to get your resume into our office. So I know if it came in, you've done these four steps. So it kind of just weeds out one, just the amount of resumes that somebody might want a job, but they don't want to be a paralegal at, at the May firm. It really sort of trimmed down the amount of resumes we received. And then what we would do is we had like a video platform where we would ask five questions and they had to be, you couldn't like record it and upload it later. Like you had to answer, you had to answer the questions live time and we could just review all the answers you gave, but effectively give it a score and go, and it would be pretty easy to go like awesome person, probably not a great fit for our office. And, and then others were like, this person's like, I wouldn't have thought this person, you know, we just hired someone, uh, young guy named Matt, no personal injury experience whatsoever. Like three months in, he's incredible. So if I just got his resume, I might say no. And if somebody else in the office had interviewed him and said, well, he doesn't have an experience, Mike, my first thought would be like, oh, no, I don't want to deal with it. Like, right. no, I don't want to deal with it. But we had this channel where multiple, it wasn't just me seeing it, it was multiple people in the office. So I'm like, dude, who is this guy? Like, I kind of like him. Like, I think you get it. And like, he's got it. So, but, and then this, the backup is you pair him with somebody that's incredible that I know is going to be a good, like that I feel comfortable saying is like, it's going to be a good personality fit with him. So he gets a mentor that's going to be a good personality. Like it's going to be a vibe. I think that's going to work. And like in a matter of months, it's like you almost have doubled the output of this person. That's really great. That's been with your office for years because she has somebody that she can, teach to do some of the things that maybe take up a lot of time in her day. So you're kind of getting, you're, you're getting a ton of value to the client. The client's getting great service and I'm not spending a year training somebody going like, they're not getting it. Like this isn't working. Yeah. So for, is that tool a spark hire? Yeah. We started using that ourselves. And I think Cameron Harold from uh, the 1-800, you know, former CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, he mentioned that a few years ago. And myself, when I interview a lot of people, they all just, even if I take notes, they all start to blur together and I forget who is who and if I really like someone. And that's why I just love Spark Hire. I'll also start feeling bad. Like they've interviewed, like maybe we should offer them a job. Like I almost just, I'll feel bad not extending a job offer so it's a good way for me to be more objective and less sort of like emotionally like willing to sort of say like well, it's pretty, no maybe you know you start rationalizing yeah. they'll get it I think they'll get it and so it's better for me if if I have a little distance from it and can, I, I'm more objective my own biases sort of don't play in quite as much. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. And I even like, we put a, a question in there. That's kind of like a fast fail to save us time. Like I instantly go to that question. I'm like, if they don't get this one, right. They're probably not the right fit. This could never work. Yeah. Yeah. So I really love that tool spark. Hire. Awesome. Let, let's talk about, let's kind of shift over to like operations. Do you guys, is it more of a traditional hierarchy where you know, maybe the attorney gets a, a paralegal and, or is it more of a pod where you have like a team kind of, how are you guys most efficiently serving the client? We didn't used to have a team approach. It used to be like one person is like, it depends on which department in the office. will look for purposes of this, I'll just start with like pre-litigation. We've moved to like a team model where you have two people together because it, it was a way for us to scale up and bring new people in that we knew would get like one-to-one -one, like 
assistance, like with operations without sort of, I can't send somebody who's 80% there and just give them 30 clients. They're going to mess something like it's not good enough to the client. So we've moved to like a team system and it makes it just better. If somebody's out of the office, there's like two people that hundred percent know the case backward and forward. And so I can go into the case if it's something I'm not familiar with, you know, if I get a call in the moment, I can pretty quickly get up to speed. There's somebody there to answer a question and then I can kind of fill in and, you know, make a call, send an email, do whatever needs to be done on the day-to-day basis. And then our litigation, it's a little more of a team approach is how we've, we've structured. That's always been the same structure. So we don't, we don't really do like a one-to-one paralegal attorney. Our paralegals have different assignments. So like discovery is a we kind of have broken down the different components of a litigation case with different people. So they're really, they really sort of specialize in just doing specific tasks in the litigation process. Nice. I like that. And I like kind of the, the, the senior attorney and junior kind of that mentorship and they get kind of gosh indoctrinated and, and, and they get kind of that, that whole feel of, of, you know, the right way to do things. And there's a little bit of quality checks there too. I love that. Yeah. So if you just let someone, go out on their own. And I mean, there's, there's value to it with the right person, with the right person, you are like, Oh, they're doing incredible. But some people might just not feel comfortable being hundred percent on their own. And I'm not really totally comfortable just letting people. Yeah. You feel the same way. Like, well, no, I would have like, I'd like to keep an eye on everything. Absolutely. So kind of switching over to personal. So, you know, your, your family has roots uh, set in central California coast. You know, what is it about this area that you love? I think as a kid, I don't know if I loved it as much. It felt pretty small, but um, yeah, after college, I went to, went to Cal Poly, which is in San Luis Obispo. And that's where I live now with my family. But what I really like about it, I like, I like being able to drive to the office in 10 minutes. I like, I like being able to park. I like the school systems. I like being able to go outside and hike. I like, I like that it's. I mean, it's a pretty awesome place. It's, it's not super crowded, so it's not the best for personal injury work. I mean, it's like, it's a great place to live. But that's sort of how we ended up segmenting our office because we, you know, I lived in Fresno for a few years, so we, we opened an office there because I had relationships there. I was down in San Diego, so we have offices down there and connected all of them together, and so. At the moment, I don't do as much traveling sort of to all the offices as much. Usually I'll be like kind of going up and back and forth to all the offices. As we come up to uh, for our closing segment, we do a three for three. It's just kind of a quick, quick fire round here. It's three questions, three minutes. So uh, which entrepreneur do you admire the most? My answer today is Ben Hogan, the golfer. I just read his biography like maybe couple months ago and I was just like blown away by this guy who came from nothing, had really some uh, tragic experiences in his childhood. And like, he worked so hard to become Ben Hogan, the golfer, but in the middle of his career, like the peak of his peak of his power, so to speak, he suffered this debilitating injury. He was in an awful car accident. Anyway, came back to win like majors and then started this, his own golf brand afterwards. And like, he ran it like a really specific way. He grew the brand. He had the best product. He like cared about it. It wasn't like a licensing deal for him in the slightest. I was just so, I don't know. I would totally recommend he's really powerful, like incredible guy. 
Amazing. Amazing. I'll have to check that out. And, okay. uh, you know, so what, what business book do you recommend the most? I feel like when I was younger, I read more business books. I think if this, I feel like now I'm, I read, I try to find people I really like look up to. And then and that could be getting to know another attorney in California who I think like, wow, this person's doing something awesome. Like I'm going to reach out to him and just ask a couple of questions or somebody I really admire, you know, you start golfing a year ago and you're like, learning golf history. It's like, I want to learn more about Ben Hogan. You're like, you could take a ton from all these people that do different things than you. So a lot of times I'm really just focused on like stories and people I'm most interested in. And like Ron Chernow's biographies are like, they're unbelievable. Like Grant and Washington, things like that. I probably more gravitate to those. That's, that's incredible. And I, I love that as well. And then final question here. So what's an, what's the next thing on your bucket list? I would like to shoot under 80 this year. Nice. I think I'm a double bogey or triple bogey offer. So yeah, shooting right. under 80 sounds pretty amazing. So, well, I'm not a great golfer. I just started like a year ago, but yeah, that would be, that's, I don't know, that's technically a bucket list, but for me, that feels like that's the thing in my mind that like outside of work that I'm like really, really, really care about. Thanks, Robert. With all the snow we've had up here, I'm just so jealous of the California sunny golf scene. Where other attorneys might find working with family difficult, it seems to have come pretty natural to the May firm. Having well-defined roles stops the brothers stepping on each other's toes, but they get to make the most out of their strong bonds to let new ideas flourish. You've been listening to the Rankings Podcast. I'm Chris Dreyer. A huge thanks to Robert May for joining us today. And you can find more info, as always, in the show notes. And we want to hear from you. What Slack channels are you putting together to help build your company culture? Drop us a review and let us know. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.